Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, Who do people say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, Who do you say I am? Peter answered, You are the Christ. And Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. The text that, that we've read, Mark eight twenty seven through 30, was a question that uh, had actually enlivened the countryside. The question was that Jesus asked his apostles, he said, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Who am I? And they, they gave him a couple of answers that had been going around at that time. And, and basically, uh, the, the, like we said, the, the country was astir with the notoriety of Jesus, with what he was doing and what he was saying, his activities. They, they, were, they were abuzz among themselves, asking, who is this man? Who, who is Jesus of Nazareth? Well, what, what is he here for? What's happening? And uh, that, it's a little wonder that th this question was being proposed. Now, Jesus said, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And uh, the answer that Peter gave was that some say that you're John the Baptist. Or, and Matthew records it, Matthew chapter 16, or I'm, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, he does, and so does Luke. They make the statement that maybe you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets, or maybe even Elijah. So they had two or three answers, actually three answers, as to who he might have been. And then Jesus said, but, but who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, the term Christ is, it means the anointed one. So the anointed one means one that God had chosen to do a specific job. He had anointed him for a specific purpose. They understood the people at that time, and the, the people were anticipating this because of the prophets and because of what was written in the old time and what the nation of Israel was expecting. They were expecting a king, that God was going to anoint a successor to the throne of David, a king. The anointing took place by putting oil on his head and by a prophet or a priest laying hands on him and saying, you are the successor to the throne established by David that was promised of God in the Old Testament. So that, that's what they were basically expecting. Now, <clears throat> they were not expecting, and I think we need to make, make this clear, they were not expecting a world king, a world governor. They were expecting to be restored, their kingdom restored to its initial parameters. God had promised them a land through Abraham, chapter 12 of Genesis and chapter 15 of Genesis. He had promised Abraham a land called Canaan, and that land was said to be flowing with milk and honey. And in that land, they would be governed by God himself. They would have a place where they could come and meet with God. Later, all, later during their history, they established that place as being Jerusalem and then the hill in Jerusalem called Zion where the, the uh, temple was built. They were expecting a king to come and rule in Jerusalem on that hill of Zion and only rule over their people. Nobody else. That's all they wanted. 
They wanted the land that God had promised to Abraham, and it, it had been defined in the book of Numbers and Joshua and so forth in the Old Testament. They had defined that land, and they knew what the borders were. They wanted that land back. That's what they wanted. They were not looking for a universal king. They were looking for a local king, one that would rule them, their people. And, of course, they wanted everybody else out of the land. Get out of our land. This is ours. And we'll, have, we'll, we'll restore the kingdom. Even the apostles, by the time Jesus left this earth, when he came back after his resurrection and met with the apostles just before he returned to heaven, they asked him this question. They said, are you going to restore again the kingdom to Israel? So they thought Jesus, or not Jesus, but they thought the Christ. They didn't, they didn't consider that Jesus was the Christ at that time. We do, but they, do, they didn't. But at that time, they thought that the Christ, the anointed one, would come, and he would be the one who would accomplish that. He would restore. He would restore the kingdom and give them their land back. Now, if you think that's unusual, think again. Because that's exactly what the Jewish nation wants today. And that's what most of Christendom, or people who misunderstand what Jesus is doing, that's what they think ought to happen again. That that ought to happen. That, that the Jews should get that land back. And that the, that the Christ is going to come back and rule in Jerusalem. People believe that still. Now, is that what Jesus was coming to do? Well, of course, we know better now. But at that time, that's what they were anticipating. A restoration. They were not looking for a revolution. That's what Jesus brought. He brought a revolution. They were looking for a restoration. Let's go back the way it was before. Let's get it back in order again. And we will control this terrain, this country, and we will have our king, and he will bless us like he told, he told us he would. Deuteronomy chapter 28, the land would blossom again and everything would be wonderful for them. They would prosper, they would have all that they needed, and they would have a king sitting on the throne in Jerusalem. That's what they were anticipating. Now, so when Jesus came, and by the way, if you're reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus is not called in those four texts that talk about his history. He is not called Jesus Christ. Except one time, Mark chapter 1, Mark starts out his book calling him, saying it's the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He's called Jesus of Nazareth. And at that time, people did not consider him to be the Christ during his lifetime. So, he is asking this question, who do people say that I am? Who am I? And so they, they propose some things, and I think it's understandable that people would get a little bit confused about who he actually was. He was a man who was going through the countryside healing people, having a, long, having a large contingency of disciples, 12 in number, plus some very personal individuals that followed him, plus a whole group of people that came to seek him and to bring their sick to him, and sometimes just to come and hear what he had to say, what he was teaching. Thus the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 4, 5, and 6, will give us that information, and 7, will tell us about him 
preaching the Sermon on the Mount. Basically, it starts at chapter 5. So people came to hear him and hear what he had to say. So everybody was abuzz. What, who, who are you? Who are, who are you? That was the question. Well, they knew. They knew he was. And we'll look in Matthew chapter 13, verse 54 and 55 to get this point. They knew who he was in terms of where he came from. Because this text says, when he was come into his own country, he taught them. So he was in the area of Nazareth and Capernaum. He said he taught them in their synagogues. He was there every Saturday, by the way, if they wanted to find Jesus. Every Saturday, all they had to do was go to a synagogue. In Nazareth and Capernaum and Bethany and Bethel and Jerusalem, wherever he was, on Saturday he was in a synagogue and he was teaching. That's where he was teaching. So if they wanted to find him, that's where they'd find him on Saturday, on on the Sabbath. It says, he he taught them in their synagogue, insomuch that they were astonished and said, where does this man get all of his wisdom and his mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? So they knew his daddy. And they knew his mother. And they knew his brothers. And they knew his sisters. Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren, James, Joseph, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Mark chapter 6, verse 3 records that they said, Isn't this the carpenter? So they knew him. They knew who he was. So when Jesus is asking this question, Whom do men say that I am? He wasn't asking, Do they know that I'm the carpenter? That I'm the son of Joseph? Mary was my mother? No. He's asking, Who do they say I am? In John chapter 7, verse 25, it says, Then said some of them of Jerusalem, is this not he whom they seek to kill? So here was a group that had been sent to Jesus to bring him back into custody. And they were, they were wondering who he was. And they're saying, isn't this the one that everybody is trying to kill? Uh-oh, something sinister is going on. But lo, he speaks boldly. And they say nothing to him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is the very Christ? Do they believe he's the one that's anointed? That he's going to be our king? Howbeit we know this we know this man where he came from. But when Christ comes, no man knows where he comes from. Then cried Jesus in the temple as he taught, saying, You both know me, and you know whence I am, and I am not come of myself. But he that sent me is true, whom you know not, but I know him, for I am from him. And he has sent me, then sought they to take him, but no man laid hands on him, because his hour was not yet come. And many of the people believed on him and said, When Christ comes, will he do more miracles than those which this man has done? So, they're, they're, they're wondering, is this the Christ? And they, they were sent, some people were sent to get him, bring him back. Now in chapter the same chapter in John chapter 7, verse 41 through 43, it says, Others said, this is the Christ. But some said, Shall Christ come out of Galilee? Has not the Scripture said that Christ comes of the seed of David and out of the town of Bethlehem where David was? So there was a division among the people because of Him. Well, we remember this story, the birth of Jesus. He did come out of Bethlehem, didn't He? So when Jesus was born, some wise men came from the east. They were called Magi. They, come, they came looking for Jesus. Matthew chapter 3 and Matthew chapter 4. They came looking for Jesus. 
And they came, and they, they, when they came to Herod, Herod said, where, where, do, you, where do you think he, he's going to, where, where's he going to be going? Where's he coming from? They were looking for the Christ. And the, the, uh, the rulers and the teachers of Israel said, the scriptures say he's going to come out of Bethlehem. So off they went to Bethlehem. And that's where they found Jesus. And then they gave their gifts to him. Then they went back rejoicing. And that's when Herod said, hey, maybe I I don't want a competitor. So he had all the children, certain age, young boys killed under a certain age. Then it says, the the Jews answered and said, said we not well that you are a Samaritan? They even thought he, he was a Samaritan. That because he didn't come out of Bethlehem, during his teaching and during his adulthood, that they didn't actually come from Bethlehem, but he did. Now, Jesus told his captors when they came and got him, he, t- he told them this. He said, are you come out as against a thief with swords and staves to take me? I, was, I sat daily with you teaching in the temple. That's in Matthew chapter 26, verse 55. So the point I'm making is they knew who he was. But they weren't ready to accept the fact that he was the Christ. They knew that he was Jesus, he was the son of the carpenter, and he was a carpenter. In Luke chapter 9, verse 7 through 9, Herod was so unsure of the identity of Jesus that he thought maybe the same thing that some of the people were thinking. Maybe he is John the Baptist. Maybe that's who he is. Because in Luke chapter 9, verse 7, it says, Herod the Tetrarch heard of all that was done by him, and he was perplexed because that it was said of some that John was risen from the dead. And some that Elijah had appeared, and others that one of the old prophets was risen again. So that was the, that was the, the tenor of, the, of what was being said about Jesus. John the Baptist, or one of the old prophets, or Elijah. Well, Herod said, John, I beheaded, but who's this of whom I hear such things? And he desired to see him. This was one of the answers that Peter gave. He said, people are saying, and this is what Herod was thinking too, but then he said, it can't be, he can't be John Baptist. I took his head off unless he's risen from the dead. So that was the, the idea he had. John came and they knew this and they had studied their Old Testament scriptures They knew that John came as a fulfillment of scriptures, as the forerunner of the Christ. He was supposed to get here first. John was coming to restore all things. Remember, we use the word restoration. John came to restore all things. Jesus came to revolutionize all things. Change things. Okay. Malachi chapter 3 verse 1 is the Old Testament prophet says, I, Behold, I send my messenger. He will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in, behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. He was talking about John the Baptist. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3 through 5, the voice of him that cries in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has so spoken it. 
So the world was in anticipation at that time, that particular part of the world. That particular part was where God had been doing His work all these centuries before. So they were all prepared and ready, and the word had gotten out, like we said before. They, there were people in the eastern part of the, of the world that knew the prophecies, and they said, we've come to see who, when, we've come to see the king. We've come to see the Messiah. Well, okay. So they were in anticipation. So when, when John exploded on the scene, all of a sudden, he has come preaching repentance, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Get ready. We're going to change these things. Get ready. Okay. In Luke chapter 1 at verse 15, his father was told by an angel before John was born, and we're, we're going to look at his persona real quickly. It says, He shall be great in the sight of the Lord, talking about John, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. So now he was going to he was going to be a Nazarite basically. A Nazarite was one who whose who, uh, parents dedicated the boy to the service of God, and that child could neither drink anything alcoholic. Basically, that's what he's saying. And he he was not to shave his head. He was he was uh, to leave it, let his hair grow. And in, and it also says that when John showed up, here's what he looked like. So what I'm driving at is. How would they mistake Jesus for John? How could they mistake him? Mark chapter 1 verse 6 says, John was clothed with camel's hair and with a girdle of a skin about his loins and he ate locust and wild honey. That's what John looked like. So now people are saying, maybe, maybe Jesus, maybe you're, maybe you're John the Baptist. He didn't even look like him. And Jesus said when the apostles of John came to see him one time, and they said, John sent us, wanted to know, are you the one that's to come? And Jesus said, you know, he said, John, John came in this way, and here's the way I'm coming. He said, you went, when you went out to see John, what did you see? You did not see a man dressed in king's clothing. He was a rough character. He was, he was rough. As a matter of fact, he, he was a hairy guy. And he had a leather girdle, and he ate locusts and wild honey, and he stayed in the deserts. Luke chapter 1 at verse 80 says, The child grew when he was just a boy, waxed strong in spirit, and was in the desert till the day of his showing unto Israel. Now that's not at all the way Jesus appeared. That's not how he came. Luke chapter 3 at verse 1, and 1 through 3 says, In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, that's when John appeared, it says he came, that verse 3 says, John came into all the country about Jordan preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. John looked like Elijah. And so here we, get, here we have a sort of a funny, funny thing going on that I think is funny, strange, not comical. They're saying, Jesus is saying, who, is, who does everybody say I am? They're saying, well, maybe John or Elijah. Well, John and Elijah were kind of mixed up, weren't they? They were mixed together. Because John came in the spirit of Elijah. So if it was Elijah, it wasn't John. If it was John, it wasn't Elijah. But they were saying, you're, some are saying, maybe you're John, maybe you're Elijah. So they, they were sort of confused in their, in their concept. 
Elijah, John looked like Elijah, basically. Because John wore a leather girdle, and he was kind of a hairy guy. That's what Elijah looked like. Ahaziah was one of the kings in Israel, and you can find the account in 2 Kings chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. Ahaziah had taken a bad fall. He fell down through the lattice in his, his apartment, wherever he was living. He fell down and he hurt himself so badly that he was, his, his life was at stake. He was, it was a fatal accident. And so he told all of his counselors around him, go talk to the, talk to the different necromancers of Beelzebub. Go talk to these fellows that can talk to Beelzebub and ask whether or not I'm going to get well. Go talk to the false gods and see if I'm going to get well. And somebody said, you know, you know, you need to talk to Elijah. Go, go talk to Elijah. Well, Elijah sent word and said, no, you're not going to get well. You're going to die. And so Ahaziah said, maybe you better go get him and we'll have a face-to-face. We'll talk about it face-to-face. So they said, okay. The first captain who took a group of men with him, the first captain said, okay, how will I recognize him? Ahaziah said, Ahaziah said uh, he's a hairy man, and he has a girdle, a girt, he's girt about the girdle with leather about his loins. He's a hairy guy, and he wears a leather girdle. Well, that's what John looked like, isn't it? He's a Tishbite. Anyway, they went after him, and it ended up, it was kind of a tragic situation, but it ended up uh, finally getting him to come back. John's own concept of himself. When they came in out to John said, Who are you? Who are you, John? And John said, in, in John chapter 1, at verse 19, he said, This is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. Okay, he initially, at the very outset of John's ministry... They asked him, who are you? And he said, I am not the Christ. I'm not the anointed one. That should have settled it. He didn't. But they asked him, who are you then? Are you Elijah? Well, he looked like him, didn't he? And he said, I am not. Are you that prophet? Now that prophet they're talking about is the one that Moses talked about in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15. Prophets shall Lord your God raise up unto you. Like unto me, unto him shall he hear and all things whatsoever he shall say. So he said, no, I'm not him. Of course, Jesus was that prophet. But they said unto him, who are you? That we may give an answer to them that sent us. What say you of yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord as the, saith the prophet Isaiah. Now, he was not Elijah. But he sure looked like Elijah, didn't he? Just from what he looked. He was a rough guy. He was out in the wilderness from the time he was old enough to get out there, I suppose. And from the time that he had presented himself, he looked rough. He wore a leather girdle and he, uh, he had a camel's coat made of camel's hair. And he ate locusts and wild honey. And I have no idea. And I've read a lot of different authors that talk about eating locusts. I have no earthly idea what they're talking about. How he ate those locusts. Some say that they were dipped in honey and fried and so Anyway, I don't know. But he was eating them. And he was eating wild honey. 
He was a rough guy. And he looked rough. And he looked like Elijah. But when they came and asked him, are you Elijah? He said, I am not. But you know, here's what, here's what his father said about him. It's what the angel told his father about him. In Luke chapter 1 at verse 17, it says, He shall go, talking about John the Baptist, before John was born, the angel told Zechariah, here's what this boy of yours will do. He shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So John was coming and he was going to go in the spirit and power of Elijah and preach. So I can see, basically, I can pretty well see how they might get John and Elijah confused. That maybe it was Elijah returned from the dead. But no, it's John in the spirit and the power of Elijah that came. In Matthew chapter 17, beginning at verse 9, after the apostles came down from the mountain with Jesus, he had been transfigured before them. As they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. His disciples said unto him, Why then say the scribes that Elijah must first come? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elijah truly shall first come and restore all things. But I say unto you, the Elijah is come already, and they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they wanted to. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. Then the disciples understood that he spoke unto them of John the Baptist. Now you can imagine then, when Herod heard about Jesus, that maybe he thought this was Elijah, this was John the Baptist risen from the dead, and back in the spirit and power of Elijah. Now, what did the people think about Jesus? What did they think when he was here? Now, Peter said some of the folks are saying you're John the Baptist. Some think you're Elijah. Some think you're one of the old prophets. Even Jeremiah. This is what people are thinking. But was Jesus giving off the wrong impressions while he's here? The woman at the well at uh, Samaria, the woman of Sychar, in, in uh, chapter 4 of John, in verse 28 and 29, says she left her water pot, went her way into the city after she'd been talking to Jesus, and she said to the people in the city that she went to, she said, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? So here was a woman that had it pretty straight. She said, Isn't this the Christ? So she answered that question. Who am I? She said, like Peter said, Peter said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. The demons knew who he was. Luke chapter 4, verse 41, it says, The devils also came out of many, crying out and saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God. And he rebuked them, suffered them not to speak, for they knew that he was Christ. Now, why didn't he let the demons go around publishing the fact that he was the Christ, the anointed one of God? Well, I don't believe they were qualified to tell that story. I don't believe they should have been talking about it. And he didn't either. He told them, Be quiet. Peter and then the apostles at one time, at some time during their life, in John chapter 6, verse 69, Peter made that confession. So it was kind of an 
off, off and on again, on again, off again, sort of a thing with the apostles. Because Peter said it in John chapter 6, verse 69. He said, we believe and are sure that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So sometimes Peter said it, sometimes he didn't say it. Well, you know the story. When he went into the, into the uh, pavilion, when Jesus was taken into custody, and he denied him three times. So he was vacillating on this issue. Is he the Christ? Isn't he? Is he the anointed one of God or not? Martha knew that he was the Christ, and she was a close friend of his, her and her sister and her brother. In John chapter 11, verse 27, she said unto him, talking to Jesus, Yea, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God. I believe that. So she knew it. The Jews in Jerusalem wanted him to say it publicly. They wanted him to make the statement himself. You make the confession. My friends, there's, there's something going on here. Something that is very serious. This idea of making the statement, you are the Christ, was a serious, serious statement. It's not just a surface statement. It carries a lot of implications, a lot of ramifications. So here they are in Jerusalem, and they have Jesus, and, and they're, they're trying to question him and get him to confess something so that they can level charges against him. In John 24, it says, they came, the Jews came round about him and said, How long will you make us doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us so. Why? Why did they want him to say that? Because, my friends, there are underlying problems involved in saying that Jesus is the Christ. And there still are. There's still some issues that are unresolved when you say that Jesus is the Christ. He told some of his disciples, even in this text when Peter said, when he said, who am I? Peter said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood is not revealed it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. I say unto you that thou art Peter, and upon this rock will I build my church. But anyway, when he got through, you know what he told Peter? He said, keep your mouth shut about it. Don't say anything. Matthew 16, 20, it says he charged his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. Don't go tell anybody. Now that's interesting, isn't it? Why would he tell them, don't tell anybody that I am the Christ? Think about this. You run across this statement several times in the life of Jesus where he tells his disciples and those who believe on him, don't tell anybody who I am. Don't tell anybody. To the blind man, Mark chapter 80, verse 26, he sent him away to his house saying, don't go into the town. Don't tell it in any of the town. Don't tell it. To the leper, he charged him to tell no man. Don't go telling people what I've done. To Jairus and his wife when he raised their daughter, remember, they were in that room by themselves. When they got through, the parents were astonished. He charged them that they should tell no man what was done. Don't tell anybody. What's going on? There are perils for those who openly affirmed that they believed that Jesus was the Christ. It put them in peril of their lives. 
put them in peril of their lives. They could forfeit their livelihood and they could forfeit their life if they told people, I believe that Jesus is the Christ. That's exactly what was going on. And he's saying, be careful, be careful. Don't go telling people. In Luke chapter 8, verse 37, it says the whole multitude of the company. Remember, Jesus went to the area of the Gadarenes, and there was a couple of fellows there that were in chains, and they were possessed with demons. And the demons actually spoke to Jesus, and he said, Who are you? And uh, they, they recognized that he was Christ. And uh, Jesus said, uh, Who are you? And he, they, said, they said, My name is Legion. My name is Legion. That's how many of them were in these men. And he cast them out and they went into a herd of swine, ran violently down the hill into the water and perished in the Sea of Galilee. Now everybody heard about it. They heard what was done. And you know what their reaction was? It says the whole multitude of the gatherings, when Jesus showed up again, Round about besought him to depart from them, for they were taken with great fear. Something's going on. What are you afraid of? Why are you in fear? So he got in the ship and returned back again. He left. They were afraid. When Jesus healed a young man, he wasn't a young man at the time, I guess. I just think of him as a young man, I guess because of my age. But when he healed this fellow, he was blind. And the parents were accosted by the Jewish leaders in that area. They were asked, who, who healed this? Who healed your son? And you know they were reluctant to tell them. In John chapter 9 verse 21, they said, by what means do, does he see? And they said, we don't know. We don't know who has opened his eyes. We don't know. He's of age. Ask him. He shall speak for himself. Now my friends, they knew. They absolutely knew who did it. Because their son had told them. They knew what had happened. But they lied. They said, we don't know. We don't know who did this. Why did they say that? These words spoken by his parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was the Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Well, there's the problem. If you put them out of the synagogue, you put them out of the community. And when you put them out of the community, you put them out of their source of income. You put them out of the community that they were supposed to be thriving in and living in. And, and all of a sudden, they're in, a, they're in jeopardy for their livelihood. So they feared. They, they weren't going to say this, this was Jesus. The rulers of the people, however, were determined that he was going to say it. You have to say it. They had the idea that maybe this was the Christ. Maybe he was the anointed one. But he wasn't, he wasn't coming like they thought he should. He came into Jerusalem on a foal, the colt of an ass. Humble, meek, mild. Preaching peace and love and forgiveness. They wanted their king to take charge. Let's get things going. Let's restore the kingdom. And Jesus did not fit their concept of their king. 
And so they would send different ones to question Jesus and see if he wouldn't confess that he was the Christ. And in doing so, do so in peril of his life. They were going to take his life if he made that statement. John 7, verse 48 and 49, they said, Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed on him? But this people that don't know the law, they're cursed. They did not want to make that confession. They did not want anybody else to make that confession, but they did want Jesus to say it. They wanted him to confess that he was the Christ. They even wanted him to confess that he was a king. That was the question they kept asking. Are you the Christ? And you know his response was, you said it. You said it. And they, they, uh, they, when they said that, they said, okay, let's put this guy on the cross. Let's kill him. Just as soon as he said, made the acknowledgement he was the Christ, it sealed his death warrant. Just like that. You're going to the cross. They took him to, to uh, Pilate. And they wanted Pilate to do their dirty work for them. They wanted him to kill them because they feared the multitude that there'd be an uprising. People thought that he was something else. And they didn't want to, they didn't want to get crosswise with the people. So Pilate was questioning him. He said, are you a king? And of course, Jesus acknowledged that he was a king. And so what did they do? They, they mocked him. They made a crown of thorns and stuck it on his head. They put a royal robe around him. And they walked around him, spitting on him, slapping him, hitting him with sticks. They took the robe off and took his clothes off and beat him. Tried to get him to confess he was a king. Tried to get him to stay, say those things. He wouldn't do it. He wouldn't, he wouldn't concede to what they were saying. These were deadly implications, fatal implications, to say, I am the Christ. That was a death sentence. He warned his disciples that they would do the, he, that they would do the same thing to them that they were going to do to him. If they made that statement, this is what I believe. In Luke chapter 12, verse 8 and 9, he says, I say unto you, talking to his apostles, Whosoever will confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man confess also before the angels of God. He that denies me before men shall be denied before the angels of God. And then in Matthew twenty-three thirty-four, he says, If you do it, if you say that, here's what's going to happen. I send you, he's talking to Jerusalem now, the city of the Jews. He said, I send you prophets and wise men and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify. So now then, why did you suppose Jesus was telling everybody, don't say anything? Don't go into the town and tell people about me. Don't tell people that I am the Christ. Well, that's what he told the apostles. Don't say it. Because it would have sealed their fate. Why do you think Peter didn't say it? He denied Jesus three times. He knew that if he said it, he was a dead man. He was a dead man. Well, the main question that people ask when they were taken into custody by those who opposed the teaching of Jesus Christ, the main question that they asked was, do you believe that Jesus 
is the Christ. And if they said yes, they were killed. Their lives were taken. They were put in the arena, and they, they were sold up into animal skins, and they let ferocious beasts loose on them, and they killed them, set them on fire. Matter of fact, we're, uh, we're given to understand that Nero actually crucified many of them, put them on, on stakes, lining the road, roads into the city of Jerusalem, set them on fire to light the way. Christians. What was their crime? What did they do? They were asked the question, the simple question. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ? Now, we, we, have to, we really have to come back and look at this carefully because that's the question I'm going to ask you this morning. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ? Now, be careful. Be careful what you say. Because when you say, if you say yes, I believe is is the Christ, there are some serious, serious consequences that come along with that admission. It it uh, actually, if you, if you say now, I'm not I'm not asking the question that is generally asked about what do you think of Jesus. People say things like, "Well, I think he was a good man." Yeah, I think he did a lot of good things. Sure, he was a figure in history. Or some will even say, no, maybe he was he's made up character. There are all sorts of answers people give. But when you when I ask the question, who do you say that he is? Who do you believe that he is? Don't answer quickly. Be careful. Because when you say, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, when you say that, you are aligning yourself with this man from Galilee and everything that he did and said. You are committing yourself. You're saying, I am on his side. Now, you're going to take a position in life that puts you in opposition even to some of your best friends and some of your family. Be careful what you say. If you're not willing to do that, don't say it. If you do not believe that Jesus is the Christ, if you're not willing to go all the way with Jesus, don't make that statement. Don't say, I believe He is the Christ. Say something like, yeah, I think He had some good things to say. That's okay. You can say, well, yeah, I I believe a lot of what He had to say, but some things I don't agree with. When you confess with the mouth Confession is made unto salvation. When you make that statement, brother or sister, you're saying, I believe everything that he did and everything that he said, and I commit myself to him. I am aligning myself with Jesus. I'm with him. If Jesus were accused of a crime, and he was at that time, he was accused of a crime. And so his detractors would come and say, they'd knock on the door and say, uh, do you know this fellow by the name of Jesus? Now a person could say, uh, yeah, I've heard of him. He's been in the neighborhood. <laughs> He'd been around. Well, are you related to him? Well, no, we're not kin. He's not in my family. 
Well, well, uh, have you had him in your house? Some of them said that, you know. They said, when they talked to Jesus, said, you've, you've been in our house. You, you've taught in our streets. You've been with us. But they really weren't going to accept him. They weren't going to say, yeah, we're with you. Okay, has he ever been to your house? Now, think about this. Somebody is there to inquire of you about Jesus. Has he ever been in your house? Have you ever heard what he had to say? You know, he's, a, he's quite a revolutionary. He's had some things to say that will turn this world upside down. Turn it on its head. Have you heard him say some of those things? If you have, do you agree? You know what's going to happen? People that are asking questions like that are going to cast you into the same mold as Jesus. And they're going to say, this guy's dangerous. Because he's not with us. This person is dangerous. This woman is dangerous. This kid's dangerous. Why? Because they've had some association with Jesus. You know, that's what uh, the detractors said to Peter and the apostles when they took him into custody and said, we don't want you saying anything else. Don't say anything uh, else about this Jesus. And Peter said, there's none other name given in heaven whereby women must be saved. We're going to preach Jesus. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 5, they beat these guys. They threatened them with their lives. Don't say anything about Jesus anymore. Now, we don't live in a country like that, but my friends, there are countries like that that exist, and we may very well get to that point in this country where we face the same problems, face the same trials. We're not guaranteed that it won't happen. So the question is, who do you think he is? Who do you believe Jesus is? When you say you believe he is the Christ, it will affiliate you with him. And it will commit you to a certain course of life. You're going to be committed. You're going to say, okay, Lord, I don't care what anybody else says. I'm going to follow you. And you know what the world's going to say? They're going to say, what, what, what are you, a Jesus freak? What are you, 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 you think you're better than anybody else? Holier than thou? And so you'll be mocked. You'll be, your name will be cast aside. And your judgment will be altered because, and, and discarded because you follow a man called Jesus. You follow Jesus Christ. The world does not think a great deal about Jesus. But if you say, I confess that he is the Christ, you're affiliating yourself with him and you're saying, I agree with what he said and who he is. And I'm going to take that direction in my life that he has given me. God help you come to that decision. Jesus is the Christ and give you the strength of character to say, privately and publicly, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God.